Josh Hammer is a Newsweek senior editor at large. He's a syndicated columnist. He's the host of the Josh Hammer Show. And he came to speak at the University of Michigan a couple of weeks ago. The name of his talk, which he didn't choose, was Israel's Righteous Fight Against Jihadism. He didn't really get, get a chance to give a whole lot of that talk based on his account of it. And he joins us here to talk about that. Josh, thank you for coming on the program. Mitch, it's a real pleasure. I grew up watching you on ESPN, so it's a real honor to talk to you right now. Thank you. Well, I wish we were talking about sports. But in this case, we're talking about the right to free speech. You claim that yours was violated, as was the right for people to listen to what you had to say. Can you walk us through what happened on Thursday, November 16th at the University of Michigan? Sure. So as you know, Mitch, this is a very toxic climate for events of this sort on university campuses these days. So I worked beforehand to try to arrange security. So we had both private security in addition to University of Michigan campus security. There were metal detectors there. I had a personal body man, which is the first time I've ever had that actually at a, at a campus talk, but I thought it was necessary. So essentially what happened was I was introduced by the president of the student chapter of Young America's Foundation. And within I would say within 60 to 90 seconds of opening my mouth, 20 to 25 students stood up, threw their hands straight into the air. Their hands were painted in, in red, I guess, to imitate blood. And they were wearing signs on, on their chests of young Arabs who I I presume have been killed in, in Gaza during this conflict. Of course, not with the fact that under international law, each and every one of these deaths is solely attributable to Hamas for using them as human shields. And then I kind of thought, Mitch, you know, if this is as bad as a guest, I'll just continue. I can deal with this. But I'd say three to five minutes after that, they started coughing like a like an audible <coughs> every yeah. time I opened my mouth. And it was clearly an attempt to drown out my speech. I reminded them of the university policy, which is that you can't do that. That only made them cough louder. And then a few minutes later, the coughs turned into chants and all the typical chants that you can imagine. Free, free Palestine. Remember their names all of that. And this this whole thing took roughly 30 to 35 minutes. The university administration and the campus police officers were completely feckless. They did virtually nothing. They ultimately escorted themselves out on their own, at which point I you know, finished my remarks for those who had the patience to wait. But this is a public university that is clearly bound by the First Amendment, and this is not how the First Amendment is supposed to work. Hmm. Who was there from the university and isn't it expected that when that kind of behavior, which is clearly a violation, as you point out, of allowing people to be heard, is exhibited, isn't it the university's job, not yours, to have someone quickly there to either say, you've got five seconds to stop or we're going to escort you out? Yes. The answer to that question, simply put, is yes. So essentially what happened was, you know, again, we took precautionary measures in terms of security because of the climate on campus, but you never know exactly who's going to show up until you get there. So 15 minutes before I started, the president of the chapter took me aside and said, based on who we see turning out here, based on just the, the nature of the crowd, I'd estimate that there's a 30 to 40 percent chance that this thing gets shouted down relatively quickly. And I said, OK, well, what is the University of Michigan's policy in a situation like this? And the president of the chapter, who himself is a kid, you know, 20 years old or whatnot, said that it is the university's policy to really not do much, essentially, <laughs> that the university's policy wow. is to 
let this go on. They are extremely loath to take action that would kick anyone out of an event. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. So I, I would say it was roughly 20 to 25 minutes, and it took a while, into this coughing, shouting, where there was a man present there who introduced himself to me as the administrator of the building. So this was this event was held in the student union. So he, I guess mm-hmm. he was the university's guy who runs the student union, for lack of a better description. He went to the podium to do what I had done 10 minutes prior to remind the students that the university's code of conduct does not condone this behavior. But it was the same result. He was also just drowned out by the students. So, you know, his exhortations, to put it mildly, did not go. So uh, as far as you know, these 2025 students who clearly violated school policy have paid no price for it. That is correct. That is definitely Mm -hmm. correct. Have you contacted the University of Michigan about this, and what's been their response if you have? Well, I and many others certainly tweeted at them. I have not been in personal contact with the president. Santo Ono is his name. However, I I am pleased to report that I have drafted a letter that I'm now working with an organization based here in Florida, which is where I live. I'm working with, uh, they're called the Palm Beach Freedom Institute. I'm working with them to circulate this draft letter, which is just one page. And the letter essentially is is calling for the commencement of of a formal investigation into what happened. And we're planning on circulating that letter to legislators in Lansing, to the to the Michigan congressional delegation, to folks who really should be aware that the First Amendment is being suppressed at the at the state's flagship university. But yeah, we probably need to get in touch with the president himself. I, ironically, actually, Mitch, the president of the of the University of Michigan and I have a lot in common because the day the day after my event, his office space was bombarded and infiltrated by pro Palestinian protesters who were chanting loudly no justice, no peace, as they bombarded right past campus security to get into his office space there. So, you know, he had some of his rights violated as well. So, ironically, so, yes, yes. so let me ask you, Josh, I mean, you write for Newsweek. You cover the country. Why, in your opinion, is this kind of behavior being tolerated? We all refer to our own personal experiences when we hear stories like this, and we all come up with the sentence, if I tried that when I was in college, dot, dot, dot. And I can tell you that if I tried that when I was in college against any speaker, I'd I'd have been at the very least disciplined, if not expelled from school. So why is it that we're hearing of this, this kind of action, not just at the University of Michigan, but all over, and everyone seems so timid to take any action against these clearly overzealous protesters? The answer, in my estimation, is not one of procedure, but one of substance. And the substance here is as simple and straightforward as the following, which is that Jew hatred is the oldest and currently the most politically correct form of bigotry in America. I I have no doubt whatsoever that if the roles here were reversed and this was the you know, the, the Muslim Student Association, you know, working with the Students for Justice in Palestine chapter, if they were hosting a, you know, pray for Gaza sort of vigil and you had, you know, 25, 30, you know, kippah clad wearing Jews who, who would protest that, I have no doubt that there would be severe repercussions there. And unfortunately, what we've seen all too often when it comes to what's happening on campus and, and frankly, what's happening in, in the national political arena to an extent as well is that you really have the situation where what's good for the goose is not necessarily good for the gander. Unfortunately, equal protection is just not the reality right now. And that is certainly the case when it comes to the American University campus. 
Wow. Josh, did you feel physically threatened in any way? At one point, yes. There was at one point where someone who was probably in the sixth or seventh row, something like that, started walking pretty briskly down the the center aisle towards me, which was the one time that my body man, who was a large gentleman sitting in the front row, that was the one time that he kind of leapt out of his seat, at which point the student diverted. Um, Ultimately, when the event finally concluded, a a University of Michigan campus police officer did personally walk with me, escorted me to my vehicle afterwards. But yeah, there was that one moment in the the middle of the talk where it got a little dicey. And, And just so we're clear, finally, to wrap this up, you are not speaking... The words coming out of your mouth were not death to Muslims, death to Palestinians, death to uh, anybody else, or, or anything volatile like that. I didn't hear your talk, but I'm presuming, based on what I've read of what you've written, that you were simply taking a position that Israel had a right to defend itself or something along those lines. Yes, that's exactly right. And it, it, it's probably even drier than that. The part that they started to interrupt was when I started to kind of walk through the post-World War I history of the conflict. I mean, I was studying kind of legal doctrines, treaties back in the 20s, 30s. So I, it, it, unfortunately, it didn't matter what I was saying. I, I could have been talking about anything. It was, it was about the fact, Mitch, that there was a Jewish man, myself, who was there at a university to speak on behalf of the Jewish state. That's it. That was literally all it was, and that's what triggered their outburst. Folks, this is not limited to University of Michigan. Look at what happened in MIT, where Jewish students were denied access to their own classrooms. Not Israeli students, mind you, and it wasn't done in an Israeli embassy. It was Jewish students at MIT blocked from going to their classroom. Now, in in a country where, you know, Standing on the steps of a of a school is a pretty famous position when it comes to civil rights. You know, we all saw what happened in the Deep South when that was a black-white issue. The same thing happened, essentially, at MIT. You're not going into those classrooms, and you don't hear anything about it. You don't hear a national outrage, and you don't hear a national outrage about what happened with Josh Hammer here at Michigan. Well, We'll try to get Michigan's answer to this. My guess is they won't give one, but we'll ask for it. Josh Hammer from Newsweek, thank you for coming on with us. I appreciate it, Mitch. Thank you. It's 760 WJR.